Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So far, we've seen the first church prayer meeting. So far, if you haven't been with us, we've seen the first church sermon. So far, we've seen the first church altar call. 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. So far, we've seen the first church healing. So far, we've seen, here's my favorite, the first church potluck. (laughs) Likes to eat. Say amen if you like to eat. First church potluck. And so far, we've seen a lot of first in the church. Well, this morning, we can add to our list of the first because this morning, we come to the first church opposition, the first church persecution, which will continue for many, many, many ages to come. And might I add, will continue until Jesus comes especially in the day that we live in, I don't know if you've noticed, but the church persecution is heating up today, even as we speak. So now, last time we were together, we talked about Peter and John were headed to the temple. You know this if you were with us. They were headed to the temple for prayer. And they're headed to the temple, and they see a lame man sitting by the gate called Beautiful. Why? Because it was a beautiful gate. And they see this lame man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. This man is begging for alms. Alms to the needy, alms to the poor, alms to the needy, alms to the poor. The Bible says that Peter looked at the man. Peter told the man to look at him. Peter looked at the man. The man looked at Peter. Peter told the man to give me your right hand. The man gave Peter his right hand. Peter grabbed the man by the right hand. He says, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the Bible tells us, listen, immediately the man's ankles and his feet were completely, totally healed. And the man began walking and leaping and praising God. And didn't we point out last week that Peter and John, we're confident, we're sure, we're walking as well and leaping and praising God. Because when you see a bona fide miracle, a miracle that truly is a miracle from God, that it causes you as well to walk and to leap and to praise God. Miracles have that effect on you. And so Peter and John, they're praising the Lord. And they're excited because the man, the lame man, has been healed. And the people gathered around. And the people, you know, you were here, we talked about, they were amazed. And they began to give glory to Peter and John. Remember that? 
And Peter says, no, don't give me the glory. The glory goes to God. And it was at that point that Peter began to preach his second sermon. Last week, we talked about that. It was a powerful sermon that Peter preached in his second sermon. If you've missed any of these teachings, you can pick them up in the bookstore and order uh, any copy that you like. Well, so Peter preached his first sermon. I want you to see what happens next. Look at Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. And as they spoke to the people in verse 1, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people. Notice the Sadducees were upset because they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. And they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, in verse 4, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. The lame man was healed. As I said, he's been walking, leaping, praising God. And the lame man, he follows Peter and John into the temple. And while in the temple, a crowd gathers with the temple captain. We know that from verse 1. The temple captain, if you're taking notes, are like temple police. They're like rent-a-cop. And uh, if you're in security, I love you, you know that. But. And these temple police, they're there in the area. You want to notice also that the Sadducees came upon them and they were grieved that the resurrection was being preached. Now listen to me very closely. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, listen close, watch this. The primary enemy in the Gospels, the primary enemy of Jesus and the disciples were the Pharisees. As you read the Gospels, you can see that. You know that in Israel, there were two groups of people, pretty much two sects. There were the Pharisees and there were the Sadducees. The Pharisees in the Gospels were the enemies of the disciples and the enemies of Jesus. The Pharisees were into the law. The Pharisees were legalists. The Pharisees were traditionalists. The Pharisees were fundamentalists. Don't you remember they were upset with Jesus and the disciples because they violated the Sabbath on many points. Don't you remember? And because Jesus and disciples violated the Sabbath on many points, they sought to have Jesus put to death, the Pharisees. Now, the Sadducees, on the other hand, the Sadducees could care less about that. The Sadducees weren't legalists. The Sadducees were liberals. The Sadducees didn't believe in anything spiritual. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in miracles. The Sadducees didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in hell. The Sadducees didn't believe in healing, supernatural healing. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. All right. That's my last one. Wait a minute, I got one more. Hold on, let me You see, these guys, the Sadducees, these were the kind of people, the Sadducees would be like in a category of people today that they're good people. They're good people. And they think that, you know, we ought to just do good. 
Why don't we just do good and love each other? You know, love, peace, and soul, baby. Let's just get along, everybody. The golden rule, which is whoever has the gold make the rules, but... The golden rule, you know, let's just get along. I mean, let's just do good to each other. Let's just be nice. That's how the Pharisees or the Sadducees, pardon me, were. Now, we want to notice in the book of Acts, get this, watch this. The Pharisees, as you get to the book of Acts, the Pharisees aren't the primary opponent to the disciples. As a matter of fact, you see mention of the Pharisees in the book of Acts, but not very much. The Pharisees aren't the primary opponents in the book of Acts. The Sadducees are the ones who have the beef with the disciples. Why? Because they are the disciples, are Christians, and they are preaching Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. And the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in anything spiritual. And so the disciples, they're preaching the resurrection from the dead. They're preaching about miracles. I'm sure the disciples are going around telling people that day that they were standing there on the Mount of Olives and they saw Jesus go up and the angels said to them, why are you standing here watching Jesus go up? The same Jesus that went up is the same Jesus that's going to come back down. I'm sure that they were talking about angels. And the Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spiritual things happening. And so the Sadducees are ticked, and they don't like it. Notice in verse 2 in your Bibles, and so they laid hands on them. In verse 3, you see that? They laid hands on them. Now, this wasn't for prayer. You want to say and say amen. Come on, let me pray for you. Oh, it wasn't like that. They laid hands on them and put them in prison. And many who heard the word, look at that in your Bibles. They heard the word, they believed, and the number was 5,000. Now listen, listen close. Notice in your Bibles it says they became believers because they what? Heard the word. Notice they did not become believers because they saw the miracle. They did not become believers because miracles, listen, don't save people. People, you know, oh, they got signs and wonders and miracles. Hey, that's great. I believe in signs and wonders and miracles, but miracles don't save people. Jesus saves people. The Bible says the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. When people hear the word of God, it's the word of God that affects people. And it's the word of God that draws people to God, which causes them to be saved. So they weren't focusing on the miracle. They heard the word. And notice when they heard the word, 5,000 people in verse 4 were saved. Now, some people, scholars, theologians, they argue about, believe it or not, people spend a lot of time on this verse. Whether it was 5,000 people that got saved at this time, and then earlier in the book of Acts, 3,000 people got saved. So is the total of the church now 8,000? Or is it 2,000 people that got saved and 3,000 people earlier, which brings the church to a total of 5,000 people? So people argue is whether the church is 5,000 at this time or or 8,000 at this time. Listen, I don't care. (laughs) What difference does it make? Either way, this is a big church. It's a mega church. 
And at this point, what this shows me is not necessarily the number of people, but this teaches me and should teach you of the power of the Holy Spirit to save so many people within a 30-day period. So whether it's 5,000 or 8,000, who cares? Peter and John, they are in prison. And I'm sure that Peter's resting in prison. I know Peter's probably in prison snoring, sleep. Why? Because he trusts the Lord. Look at verse 5 in your Bibles. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, notice they asked, by what power, by what authority, what name have you done this? Then in verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made whole, then let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, By him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And in verse 12, saints, would you read it with me? Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is a powerful, awesome verse that is worthy to be committed to memory. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 5. Look at it again. Notice the rulers, the elders, and the scribes. This group makes up a court known as the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin actually was made up of 70 members and one high priest. So you have 71 members of the Sanhedrin. What we have here is Annas the high priest, who is the father-in-law of Caiaphas. You might remember Annas and Caiaphas were involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. Remember that? And then John and Alexander were family members. So what you've got here is kind of this family kind of mob. It's like the mob boss, Annas. He's got his family there, all in cahoots, kind of this mob situation. And notice they gather together, and they bring Peter and John, and notice in verse 7, and set them in the midst. Do you see that? What they did was, listen, give me your attention, this, this, this Sanhedrin, this group of 71 men, they actually, when it says that he, he set them in the midst, the 71 men would actually form a semicircle. They would form this semicircle, and then they brought Peter and John in, and they stood Peter and John two fishermen in the midst of a semicircle of 71 men. And so what we have here is 71 of the greatest theologians in Israel against two fishermen. Does that not strike you as a little odd? 71 men against two fishermen. But notice these two fishermen now. We know because we've been reading our Bibles And we know that these two fishermen are filled with the Holy Spirit. So now what we have, let's put the Holy Spirit in the equation. Now what we have is 71 men against three. 
Peter, John, and Jesus. If you're with me so far, say amen. Amen. So, if God be for us, then who can be against us? So, you plus Jesus is the majority. Isn't that true? That's why I'm glad I'm a Christian. Because we talked about this on Wednesday night. I'm a Christian because I'm on the winning team. Amen, saints? You're a Christian because you're on the winning team. I mean, think about it. You plus God is the majority. You know, you got these 71 plus 3, Peter, John, and Jesus. And notice they ask them this question in your Bibles. But by what power or by what name has, have you done this? And this is actually a good question. It's a legitimate question because Deuteronomy chapter 13, you can look this up in your own time, instructed them that if a miracle or a sign or a wonder took place, it was done and it was done in the name of any other besides the name of Jehovah, the name of Yahweh, the person who did the sign or wonder was to be stoned and to be killed. So this is a good question. These guys are standing with rocks in their hands, hoping that Peter and John will say, we did this in the name of Jesus. Very interesting. Now, keep in mind, this is the same group. You want to keep this in mind. This is the same group that approximately two months earlier were questioning Jesus in the house of Caiaphas. Don't you remember? You know the story. While Jesus is being questioned in the house of Caiaphas, Peter is outside by the fire. And a little girl comes up to Peter, this little girl. And she says, you're one of his followers. I know you are. And Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about, little kid. Get away from me. That's in the Greek language. Get away from me. (laughs) Peter says. And she says, oh, yeah. She says, you you know, your accent betrays you. You're a Galilean. You have a northern draw, she says. And Peter said, listen, kid, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the third time she said, you know him. And Peter began to curse and said, if I know him, let me be anathema. The word anathema means to be cursed, damned to hell. Peter is saying to a little girl, are you getting this? To a little girl, if I know Jesus, then let me be damned and let me be cursed to hell. And you know, the rooster crowed. And Peter ran off weeping and sobbing into the night. And now, saints, look at the contrast. Look at post-Holy Spirit filling and look at, pardon me, pre-Holy Spirit filling and look at post-Holy Spirit filling. Here, Peter now is standing in the midst of the same men, only now they are gathered against him personally. And Peter is standing there face to face with these big guns. And this is the same Peter who just a couple of months ago gave in under pressure. Just a couple of months ago, Peter was by the fire. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter is filled with fire of the Holy Spirit. And now we see here in Acts chapter 4 that Peter is under fire. You see that? By the fire, filled with fire. And under the fire, you see, he's filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, so he can now be a witness under fire. Saints, let me tell you something. 
You can't be a witness under fire if you're not filled with fire. I don't know why they're doing that to me. I'm not getting my promotions on my job. Well, people are turning their back on me. I feel like I'm under fire. Listen, you're not going to do well under fire unless you are filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. Someone once said that God keeps one hand on the thermostat and one hand on you. He won't let the fire burn you up. Amen? He won't let you be consumed. So Peter now, we saw him by the fire. We see him filled with fire. And now we see him under fire. And would you note this in verse 8? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, look at verse 8. He did what, saints? Said. Did you see that? Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he said. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And did you note this? He doesn't start speaking in tongues. Need I say more? How many of us, I know for many, many years, I have been taught that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to me, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you, that will be evidenced by speaking in tongues. Have you been, have you ever heard that? Been taught that? For many, many years, and I, I, I believe that. I mean, I had grown up with that. And, 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 you know, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and therefore, you know, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but I've never spoken in tongues. So needless to say, in that environment, I always felt like less a Christian. I always felt inferior that I wasn't speaking in tongues and other people were speaking in tongues. Well, then I began to read the Bible and come to learn that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are many things that can happen in your life. And one of them is that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak the word with boldness. Well, that's what happened with Peter. Peter is now, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said... Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't begin to speak in tongues. Peter didn't begin to float. Peter didn't begin to to, to glow. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't go, you know, Shanda Makai. He come down the Honda. Going out on a Kawasaki. Shanda, oh, glory. None of that happened. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit and he said, remember what Jesus said in John, pardon me, Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, but when they deliver you up, do not worry. Jesus is saying, don't be troubled. Don't be terrified. Don't worry, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. John chapter 14, verse 26, but the Holy Spirit, the helper whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. So Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he said, now in the Greek language, it literally reads this, Peter having been filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter having been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, I think it's a misnomer in the church, and people will ask you all the time, you know, are you, as people have asked me, are, are you spirit-filled? They ask you, are you spirit-filled? Do you go to a spirit-filled church? 
Now, listen, when people ask you that question, people ask me that question. Listen, forgive me. Pardon me. I'm not trying to be rude. But when someone asks me, are we spirit filled or do you go to a spiritful church or are you spirit filled? That is simply them displaying their ignorance of the scriptures. Because you got to understand something. The Bible is very, very clear. If you are not spirit filled, you are not a Christian. Jesus said, if you don't have the spirit of God, you are none of his. You can't be born again without the spirit of God. It's impossible. So when people talk about, are you spirit filled? Well, what kind of, duh, what kind of question is that? Of course I'm spirit filled. I'm a Christian. Peter was spirit filled when he became a Christian on the day of Pentecost. He had been filled by the spirit. Now, in the, Greek, in the Greek grammar, it tells us that this is a new filling, or this is a fresh filling, or it's a refill, if you will. I told you. I'm into refills. Uh, first thing, go to a restaurant, first thing you sit down, you say, what? Do y'all give refills? <laughs> what, y'all don't? I, that's my first question. Y'all got refills? Especially on the steak. Do y'all have refills on the steak? I want to know. I'm in the refills, man. You know, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, D.L. Moody who was asked by this irate lady. He said, she said, Mr. Moody, why are you always talking about a fresh filling and being refilled by the Holy Spirit? And he said, I leak. <laughs> yeah. Man, we leak. Look, I don't know about you, but I need a refill. Because I leak. I, I, I leak, I leak, I leak. Especially out there on the 440. I leak. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.